Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. John, I mean, this is voluntary. Omar Jackson's not out here. Have you talked to him or do you have a, a, a sense of his plan over these weeks? Yeah, we've been we've been down this road many times, right, through the years, so... Um, I'll just let Lamar speak for himself on that. It's for him to talk about. You can ask him. John, traditionally, quarterback is kind of that exception. We know veterans aren't here voluntarily quite often, but is it a concern not having them here? It's, it's not for me to speak for somebody else on that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's up to him to speak for himself on that. John Harbaugh, Ravens coach, playing it the way that he has to play it. Not allowed to say or do anything to create the impression that Participation in off-season workouts is anything but voluntary, even the OTAs. Now, we have talked this week, Chris, about a variety of players, each of whom had, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, an important business reason for not being there. Short-term, long-term contractual expectations, whether it's Debo Samuel wanting his now, whether it's Kyler Murray, we're going to talk about him in a little bit, wanting his long-term security. Aaron Rodgers, no reason for him, frankly, to not be there, especially when you consider the current state of their receiver room. He should be there. You and I agree on that, even though it is voluntary. Lamar Jackson, this just adds to this weird-ass mystery. Right. Lamar Jackson, take our money. No thanks. Lamar Jackson, you know, you play the quarterback position in a highly physical way that exposes you to the risk of injury that most other quarterbacks don't have. So you'd probably better take our money before something happens that would cause us to not want to give you that money or anyone else to want to give you the money. No, thank you. I'm fine. Refuses to engage the team, pushes back against the idea that he wants out when people try to figure out why it is that he won't take the team's money and is instead working his way toward the Kirk Cousins two franchise tags and out the door if it even gets to that point. I think the Ravens get exasperated and trade him before it gets to that point. Don't know that. But I think that happens before they'd ever go two straight years under the franchise tag. And the first tag year is next year. Now, on top of it, he's not there for the OTAs. Hollywood Brown is gone. They're trying to get Rashad Bateman into that number one receiver role. You got other guys in there 
and Lamar Jackson not participating in the OTAs. Yeah. And, Injuries and, at the and, end and of last what? year. Players hurt. Him hurt. They're, they're, they lost continuity that way. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just added No, you're your fine. Har- Harbaugh, number one, did the right thing because coaches can't say anything to suggest it's not voluntary. But number two, it's the perfect way to, to tee this up. Like, hey – Lamar can speak for himself, and yeah. I'd kind of like to hear what he has to say. Yeah, I, feel like I don't that's know. What he was saying, I feel like that's what he was yeah. saying. Right. I'm. With I don't you. know why the hell he's not here. Right. He hasn't him. told us. Yeah. I, I ask I, him because he won't tell me. Yeah. I. I, I mean, you, you said it right. It just it adds to the weirdness. I don't get it. I don't. The whole thing, the contract situation, and I. I, I don't understand. Again, I know Lamar Jackson. He, he's hard worker. He's dedicated. I know. I don't doubt that he's not getting his work done wherever he's at right now in South Florida or wherever. I, I don't doubt that. I, I think he's fully invested in the sport, but I still don't understand why he wouldn't be there. You know, for all the reasons you said, first off, and, you know, again, I, I sometimes I just I boil it down to like I go back to you know I've heard Lamar Jackson say he wants to win Super Bowls. He wants to win a bunch of Super Bowls. I mean, I think there was a time where he was like, I want to be like Brady. He remember him saying that early in his career. Well, Brady wouldn't be missing OTAs in year four of his career. I just that's where I want to say to some of these young quarterbacks. They always I hear like, oh, I want to be like Brady. I want to have a career like Brady. Well, then do what Brady does. Brady didn't miss an OTA until he had played in four Super Bowls and, you know, started to get married and then started to miss a few OTAs. But then things didn't go that great in 2010 and 11 and 12. And you know what he started to doing? I'm going to be back at OTAs. I'm going to get a little bit better and we need this. Uh, that's where, just from the football standpoint, I, I just don't get it. I don't at all. At one point, the owner of the team, Steve Bishotti, said that he believes, and I think this is the message he has sent, that Lamar Jackson is committed to having the best possible season he can, winning a Super Bowl, and then that's when he deserves a second contract. So if that's true, he should be there. If if he's motivated to have the best season ever before he earns the contract that he already has earned, yeah. but if he thinks there's more he needs to do to earn that contract – then you should be there. A hundred percent. If you're all in, if you're committed, if this is all about having the best possible Lamar Jackson season that you can have, then you should be there. Because otherwise, it makes no sense. Well, yeah, exactly. And and to couple, you know, like you you laid it out. You know, got new tight ends, got a new receiver. You're trying to work here. Some other receivers you're trying to break in. And at, at, at in, in in all honesty, too. Here's the other part of it. I mean, that last year was Lamar Jackson's worst year of his career so far. He, he, he did not play as good as he's played previous to that. He was not the same guy. I mean, he's still electric and one of the biggest difference makers in the world. I get that, but still had more moments of inconsistency and not playing to a Lamar Jackson type level to where I would think that would add to let me get back in there and let's get back in the lab and start working out here. So that's where... You know, I'm just I'm I'm really surprised because I just I don't think I don't feel like it was it's in his DNA to be like this or whatever. Maybe he just has taken a few days off. Maybe he just went, ah, I'm gonna miss the first three OTAs. I don't know, but still still seems odd to me and, and I'm with you. I think he should be there. But he still knows what message that sends, or he should know yeah, what he message should know, that sends. Right. And again, if right. the goal is to have a Super Bowl championship season and be the best Lamar Jackson ever, you be there for every OTA. You've had plenty of time off. You have time off after that. This is about getting your – if this is true, that the objective is to be as good as you can be this season and set yourself up for your payday after that, then 
logic would suggest that he be there. But there isn't a whole lot of logic that operates here. And it occurred to me as we were talking about this, Chris, and I know that even though he's not represented by a traditional agent, there are people who are advising him. I don't know if he's listening. I don't know what kind of advice he's getting. He's either ignoring good advice or he's getting bad advice, frankly. And we've been, you know, people get mad. Oh, leave the man alone. It's like, look, I'm trying to help the guy. We're trying to help the guy. The guy's making a mistake. The guy's putting millions of dollars at risk when he doesn't need to. They're ready to pay him. I wonder if at some level he thinks that the way he's performed means that the team shouldn't even try to negotiate with him, that they should just drop on the table in front of him top-of-the-market money, Mm. an offer that he would accept, an offer that he can't refuse. I shouldn't even have to negotiate with you. We shouldn't have to sit down and hash this out. You should just come to me with Deshaun Watson's contract, $230 million, fully guaranteed over five years, and maybe even more than that because I won an MVP and he didn't. Right. But I, I just can't help but wonder whether, from his perspective, there is logic. It's very simple. It's very basic. It's very clean. You want me to sign a long-term contract, don't force me to get my hands dirty with all this back and forth. Just just give me give me the contract that you're ultimately going to give me anyway. Put it on the table and let's go. Make me the highest paid player in league history. Do it and let's go. Put it there and when I realize that it is what it needs to be, I'll accept it. I I, I don't admit it's yeah. hard for a team to do that because you if you put your bottom line out there, you're going to get negotiated away from it. And and if you put it out there as a taker to leave it bottom line, that sends a bad message too. So I, I just I, I just can't help but wonder whether that's the only yeah. thing that makes sense here. That he's upset that they haven't just come to him with a non negotiable without saying non negotiable, but a no need to negotiate bottom line, big package, make him the highest paid player, and uh, and the fact that they haven't done that is what has him miffed. I don't know. I don't know. But Maybe. I mean, there, there's something going on. Something strange is. is going on I here. Know. It's not in his interest to be doing this. No, and they and you know, I mean, as you stated, I mean, they seem to be willing to pay him, you know, up to the top tier of the market. It, it doesn't seem like I don't know whether they're going to make him just the hands down highest paid guy. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't want to do that. I'm sorry. As much as I love Lamar Jackson, the style of football he plays and everything there, I wouldn't want to make him the highest paid quarterback in football. It would it would scare me a little bit. It would. You know, again, some of the other guys that have been paid, you know, whether you go Mahomes or Josh Allen or even Deshaun Watson, the one thing I'll say about them is they've shown the ability, in my opinion, to go wait, even when we can't run or do that, like we're still going to be really awesome in the pocket and be able to carve you up that way. Lamar Jackson, it's good there, but it's not to their level to where you go, well, when he loses a step or two, we know he'll carve people up in the pocket still, no problem. I, I think that's still debatable. And from that standpoint and then the style of play and the year we're at in the career, I wouldn't want to pay him just, hey, here you go, $250 million guaranteed or something like that. Absolutely not. I would, I would definitely tread lightly there. But they got to find that sweet spot. And they seem to, like, from everything we hear from Baltimore, it seems like they're willing to go, you know, hey, here's the sweet spot for us, but we'll go a little over to your side because we like you so much. I mean, it seems that way from the language they use. But like we've said, it's weird, and I don't know. It's awkward for them. They would much rather he be represented by an agent. And if he had one of the best quarterback agents, and 
I've said this before. It's not all that hard to put a list together. Four or five of the top quarterback agencies, they could work out a deal fairly quickly. And yes, he would have to pay them a small percentage of the total gross amount, but he would end up with more than he has now. Definitely more than he would get on his own. And uh, it would be money well spent because he would be eliminating the risk of some sort of an injury that would make him not attractive to that degree to the Ravens or some other team. We talked about Kaepernick earlier and his time with Greg Roman in San Francisco. And this is something we've discussed with Jackson in the past. Why aren't they unlocking the passing ability with Jackson that we saw with Kaepernick? You know, those two Green Bay games, the end of 2012, the start of 2013. 2012 playoffs, he runs roughshod over the Packers. Playoff record for a quarterback in rushing 185 yards, I think it was something like that. Week one of the next season, Packers 49ers. The Packers determined to keep him from running, and he slices and dices them for 400-plus passing yards. When you take away the run, well, for, I feel like with the Ravens, they try to take away the run by Lamar Jackson, and it still works, so he still keeps running. And I really would love to know, when they get into the throes of calling the plays, calling the game, do they keep going back to the plays that they know work, even though they would like to throw the ball? Does Lamar Jackson exercise discretion to not throw and take off and run? There's, there's an answer somewhere Definitely. in I think there's a, the play-in and play-out approach yeah. that, that either he's choosing not to throw it or Greg Roman is dialing up these plays where he runs the ball because like a kid playing Madden or, or a grown man, as the case may be, I got three plays that work. And I just keep using them over and over again. Well, I mean, yeah, I, there there is some of that. I do. I think like you, you kind of hit on all, and I think it can kind of be all of those things. You know, one, hey, Kaepernick, when he was doing that stuff, the league was still getting used to it. And like, holy crap, how do we defend all these things? I don't know what the hell to do. It's 10 years later. There's been a few teams that have run this type of offense where they understand maybe now how to defend it a little bit better. So I would say that, you know, we, you and I have definitely had the conversation of, hey, you know, I wish Greg Roman in that passing offense was a hair more creative. You know, I, I sure, I mean, maybe, but I don't like sit there and just go, "Oh man, the offense is it's really limited." It's still good enough, but I think maybe there's some of the aspect you're talking about from Lamar's aspect too. Hey, we don't need to make it overly complicated. We're going to run the ball. We got this group of passing plays, and if this passing play doesn't work, well, we got a guy that can kind of get out of the pocket and make things happen that way. But at some point. You know, and I think that's what we saw a little last year is, wait, maybe not going to make all the magic all the time. And we need to have a little bit more in the passing offense and be better at executing that. And, hey, whether it's Greg Roman needs to expand a little bit and Lamar needs to give them the confidence to expand to a degree. Because there's certainly games down the stretch before he got hurt where, you know, he wasn't seeing the field that well. He was missing receivers. He was making bad decisions. You know, but so so there's growth there for sure. But I think you're kind of right. There's a few things that are at play there to why it is what it is in Baltimore. Um, in Arizona, there's another issue as it relates to the quarterback. And this one isn't about failure to engage by the player. This is failure to act by the team. Kyler Murray and his agent made it known early in the offseason. They were ready to have a new contract. The team wasn't ready. The team apparently is getting closer. The bottom line is, how do you find a middle ground between the Cardinals and Kyler Murray? Where is that sweet spot? Can they find a compromise when you consider how broad 
that market is at the top. $30 million spreading number one and number 10 on the highest paid quarterback list. Yesterday, Steve Kime, GM of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, appearing on the Pat McAfee show on the efforts of Kyler Murray to milk as much money as he can out of the Cardinals. Here's Kime. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a timing thing, Pat. It's, it's you know, every quarterback that's done it before has done it from anywhere from July to, to September. And uh, no different for us. I mean, I have to get prepared for the NFL draft. Uh, that requires a lot of hours of tape watching, free agency at the same time. And it's, it's, it's not easy. So your time is really taken up in a lot of different directions. And you have to prioritize it. And we know that he's under contract for another year and also the fifth-year option. And um, he is our future. We feel that way strongly, and I feel like we'll be able to get something done this summer. I can't remember the last time a guy was picked in the first round in both sports. Was there ever any sort of concern like, hey, if this, doesn't, if this isn't a smashing success right away, this guy might go play baseball? Well, I mean, I, obviously he has that opportunity because of his skill set. But, uh, you know, on the time uh, when we went to Norman, Oklahoma, and we visited with Kyler, uh, made it pretty clear that football was his passion and his love. Um, and then as well as, you know, when you do these things, and it was so important to get his contract done before we drafted him with the first pick, is to make sure you have some language in there that protects yourself from the baseball. Um, so there's a number of different reasons why I think he'll continue to play football. I don't know that uh, he'd be really excited to get on the uh, single-way bus (laughs) driving from Harrisburg to Shemokin, PA. (laughs) A couple of things there. Let me start where Kime started. The talking points that they crafted weeks ago, and they've been reciting in various formats since then. Hey, we got other stuff to do in the offseason. Free agency. The draft. We got to take care of that. We got to prioritize. These quarterback contracts usually get done June, July, August. They've been saying that directly and to reporters for weeks. That's fine until the draft comes and goes. Steve, what have you been doing the last four weeks? You've had four weeks since the draft came and went. And I know you got other stuff to do, but you can't say I'm occupied with free agency right now. You can't say I'm occupied with the draft. That ended Four weeks ago. And when it's time to sit down and negotiate a contract, you carve out a couple of days, you get together with Eric Burkhart. It shouldn't be that difficult. Hey, Eric, come on in Friday, Thursday, whatever day. We got the whole day blocked off. Let's get this done. Shouldn't be that hard. So I, I don't buy this effort by them to keep kicking the can deeper and deeper into the summer. I don't know what kind of fake aid urgency they're trying to create when it's when they want to do it you know whatever it's in june or july they're running the risk though they're going to get to training camp and kyler's going to give them the middle finger and not show up yeah if no, they if no they doubt. screw around and wait too long yeah no I, I mean i hear you it seems like there's lines of communication and it's going in the right direction i, I will say in steve kime you know, hey, you know, you, you get done with the draft the first week or two. Yeah, you might be worried about, you know, the rookie contracts, right, getting signed up for that. But I would hope that the dialogue is going on with Murray and his agent and all that. I mean, this one to me just seems inevitable. It does. I don't know, like, you, to your point, why we got to wait to the summer. Hey, the one thing I'll say is you, you know as well as I do, sometimes teams – you know, there might be an influx of cash that comes in during that time of the year, and maybe that's where they're wanting to wait before they have to give him a big signing bonus. There could be that aspect that's maybe like that's why they're kicking the can down just another month or so. But to me, it just seems inevitable that, I mean, Kyler Murray is going to be, he's going to get a contract. 
they're all in on him and Cliff Kingsbury and this style of play like we've discussed. So he's got great power there. And he's, you know, a, a marketable name and a guy that, you know, you can the fan base can can, you know, be attracted to. He's he's they haven't had that a ton there in Arizona. So he's got all that. So I just feel like it's only a matter of time before he gets a contract of 40 million plus per year type of average. To me, it's just about where are we at on that scale? Like you discussed there. And, you know, again, to me, where I want to go to Kyler Murray is like, hey, if you feel like, hey, this is going to happen, it's just a matter of time, get out there and practice. Do it. I know it's like we got to negotiate, but no, I disagree. I disagree. No, no. Because it, what if he what if he suffers some sort of catastrophic injury and then all of a sudden they say sorry we're not going to talk until you're healthy. I, I mean, I mean, you know, maybe just, that's going to be a bad look too. I mean, we just saw it with Dak Prescott; they paid him. Still, I, I hear you. It's risky, um, but I mean, gosh, quarterback, you know, practice. It's one of the less risky ones to go with. I'm just saying, I'm the type of guy. Ask Teddy Bridgewater. Not about that it's per. I, I know, know, but I agree. Ask Chris Sims about. I agree. The risk is yeah. still small. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. And listen, Chris Sims is an idiot, too. I should have held out and got more money, but I lost my spleen and, you know, screwed myself over. I had a lot of money. So I'm, I, I understand the, 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 the issue there, no doubt. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it's going to take or when it's going to happen, but it's just only a matter of time, it seems like, to me at least. I, I don't – look, I, I think that they went a long way toward putting out the fire a week or two before the draft when Michael Bidwell, the owner of the team, and Steve Kime both come out and say – He's not getting traded, right, period. Right. Kyler Murray did some stuff on social media that created the impression that all things were, were better and that it's just a matter of time until they work out this contract. But at the end of the day, they have to work out the number. Where does Eric Burkhart want to be on behalf of Kyler Murray? Where does he want to be in relation to the top of the market? Acknowledging the fact that the market is going to keep going up. The salary cap is going to keep going up. You don't want to get yourself into a position where two or three years from now, you're like, why the hell did I do that contract? Where do the Cardinals want to be? Where do yeah, they view him? The right. And, and look, not every guy's a top five quarterback, and Kyler Murray's not a top five quarterback. So, you know, from the Cardinals' perspective, they have a guy that's made them better, but they don't have a guy that's made them great. How much do you pay a guy who makes you better but doesn't make you great. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that that's, question. That's a very good question. And the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are going to find that out. Right. I know. Where, where, where do you think it is? I mean, like you, you discussed, like you talked about it. Hey, Rodgers is one. Watson is two at $46 million. You know, then you got Mahomes and Allen, uh, 45 and 43. Derek Carr and Dak Prescott and Stafford are at 40. Right? So there's, there's your seven guys that are at the 40-plus mark there. I would think it'd have to be somewhere in there. But, yes, I wouldn't want to pay him Aaron Rodgers or the Deshaun Watson money. I wouldn't. Not, not yet. I wouldn't. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. you got got the scale, where it's all going, all that has to be taken into account as well. It's got to start with a four. Yeah, It's right. got to start with a four. got to start with a four. The question, the question is, does it have to start with a five when Eric Burkhardt starts saying the market's going to keep going up, the market's going to keep going up? That's the challenge here, getting the right number that reflects where the ball is moving, not just where the ball currently is. And and that's why I think it's going to take some time. So if the Cardinals are just pushing this and pushing this and pushing this and hoping that it's a situation where they sit down and they knock it out in a relatively short period of time before training camp, it may be more complicated than that. Maybe they want it to be a streamlined process because the more time that's put into it, the more in focus this potential disconnect becomes between what Murray 
deserves or believes he deserves and what the Cardinals want to pay him. But it, I just I still think it's not going to be easy. Uh, the Cardinals notoriously careful with their money over the years. And, you know, at the end of the day, and this was a useful exercise. I think the the jostling that was done by Kyler Murray, the messages that were sent, I think they found out who is and isn't, more importantly, isn't interested in Kyler Murray. It's not like the Broncos called up the Cardinals. They called up the Seahawks to get Russell Wilson. And I have a feeling, number one, we didn't see any reporting about it. I've heard nothing about it. I don't get the impression that there were teams burning up the phone lines trying to trade for Kyler Murray during that period of time where – it felt like maybe he was looking for a way out. Oh well, yeah, we we we've discussed this a little bit. Uh, you know, I think there's there's definitely a group of teams that just no way somebody the size of Kyler Murray is going to be their starting quarterback. And then there's another group of teams that are going to go, wait, our team's not even set up to have Kyler Murray our starting quarterback, so we can't do that. So um, yeah, I mean, I I as talented as he is and as freaky as he is. Yes, I do think there's a faction of coaches out there who go, uh, you know, he's I, I don't like playing him. He's scary, but I don't know if I necessarily would want him as my quarterback. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of that thought that's pretty real in the NFL. I remember that Baker Mayfield angle. They're close friends. Mayfield had the shoulder injury week two. He tried to play through it. He tried to gut it out, and the narrative was he stinks. No, he's injured. And last year, Kyler Murray, that ankle injury, he played through it. And by the end of the year, I think it was still bothering him. And he looked he looked like he was shrinking before our eyes yeah, against the he was Rams. Helpless because the he Rams. didn't have right. he didn't have the mobility to save him when the walls were starting to close in and he would zip away from everybody like the roadrunner. That wasn't there. He's a much different quarterback when that's not there. So uh and then here's some of the clips from the night where Kyler Murray looked more like he's five five instead of five ten, just because he, he did not have that same that same acceleration because I think the ankle was still bothering him from the night against the Packers week eight when, and that that's the one, you know, that that's just, that's the last memory really of of Kyler Murray is that Carson Wentz type of a throw. So um, regardless, regardless, they want to pay him. He wants to be paid. They're just going to have a hell of a time in my opinion, reaching a middle ground, Chris. Uh, So we'll see what the Cardinals and Kyler Murray ultimately do. There's another quarterback out there who, had a bad final game in the postseason with three interceptions. Ryan Tannehill made some comments a few weeks ago about his position on his duty, if any, to mentor new rookie Malik Willis. We agreed with everything Ryan Tannehill said. Some didn't agree with him and said so. Here's Ryan Tannehill yesterday reacting to the reaction to his comments about Malik Willis. I just want to start off kind of addressing uh, an answer I gave last time. Um, you know, I'm in no disrespect to Malik uh, or anything close to that. Um, we've been in constant communication since he was drafted, you know, through the madness that ensued after my last press conference. And, um, you know, over the last few weeks as he's been in the building and, and kind of getting to know each other. And he's a, he's a good person. Uh, he's a talented player. He, he's coming off a great college career. And so, you know, we're happy to have him in the room. Um, Really, just kind of disappointed in, in how things got spun. We were we were communicating the the whole time. You know, as soon as it blew up, I reached out to him and, um, you know, said, "Hey, I'm going to be a great teammate to you. I'm going to support you." And you know, they're making this out to something that it's not to be. You know, it's uh, not not what it's been made out to be at all. And he's been good, and he was great with it throughout the the whole time. You know, as soon as I reached out to him, he's like, "Yeah, I can't believe that it's it's blown into this." So, 
uh, things that were great from, with us from the beginning and, you know, have continued to be great. And, and it's been great to, to have him in the room and get to know him as a person. And, you know, we'll continue to build that relationship. Hey, and look, I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to tiptoe through the minefield. This was all Kurt Warner's tweet. It wasn't enough for Kurt Warner to beat the Titans in Super Bowl 34. He had to beat them in this battle of social media where he posted that, I'll never understand why guys say I'm not going to help the next man up. And it completely twisted and warped everything Tannehill was saying and started this whole thing. It's all Kurt Warner. You know, they want to blame the media, usually the non-players in the media, when something like this happens. This is a Hall of Fame quarterback who lit the fuse and ran away and created the mess that Tannehill had to deal with. Yeah, definitely. He he created it and then emboldened other ex-players to come out with the bullshit. I mean, that's just really what they did. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Twice Hello, welcome we on Thursday. We need a... Yeah. We need a- yeah. You know what though? You know what yeah. though? You know what though? <laughs> right. And Pete Pete is now Pete is now completely numb to it. Right. Um every day when the show is over, I will watch Morning Joe on MSNBC. I've got it automatically recorded. And and uh Joe's saying it all the time too. Joe throws out the S bombs. I know he will. Joe, no doubt. Joe, Joe does not hesitate. So I blame it on Joe Scarborough. But go ahead, Chris. <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. But yes, it, it, it just it went down a, a wormhole of of just bullcrap. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You know, tutoring, like a mentoring. He's mentoring him right now. He's he's learning everything that he needs to learn to become an NFL heading quarterback. Except, you know, Ryan Tannehill isn't going, hey, Malik, you know, let's walk in here and hold hands and then I'll teach you how to, you know, watch film and do all that. Like, it's not his job. The coaches don't even want the quarterback to do that. They don't even want that. They want to be the mentor. The coaches are mentoring. So, yeah, it was lazy and wrong by a lot of ex, really ex-players that came out to go, oh, that's bull crap. And, and, yes, it got spun in a direction where it became a personal thing on Ryan Tannehill, like he's a bad guy or a bad teammate, and that just you know couldn't be farther from the truth. And, look, we were behind Tannehill all along. It's, he's right to have that attitude. It's not his job to mentor him. And, and this whole idea of why aren't you helping the next guy – Ryan Tannehill is not ready to concede that Malik Willis is the next guy. Ryan Tannehill is the guy, and maybe Ryan Tannehill wants to be the guy in Tennessee for four more years, just like Aaron Rodgers wanted to be the guy in Green Bay for the full four years of Jordan Love's rookie contract. So I, I uh, yeah, this isn't like glad- aging forty-year-old quarterback who's on his way out the door, and we have a top-five pick that walked in either. Exactly right. We got a guy that's still in the prime of his career. And been damn good and had a crappy last playoff game. We know that. But, yeah, he's not, like, throwing in the towel to go, well, I'm on my way out the door. He's still looking at it like I'm in the prime of my career and I'm still going to be a handful for teams in football here for a number of years. So, yes, he's not ready just to roll out the red carpet and start to go, oh, here, let me teach you and just put all my all my interest into making you better. That That's ridiculous. And that, does, that doesn't even really happen when it's the 40-year-old quarterback, you know, on his way out the door anyways. It doesn't happen. That's all just bullcrap talk. And this definitely isn't like high school or college where you know you're leaving and you want the program to thrive after you're gone, so you take the next guy under your wing and get him ready because, hey, hey, Malik, next year it's you. I'm going to be 
off at uh, you know state, or I'm going to be playing in the NFL. Hopefully yeah, right, right. next year it's you. I'm not going to be here. We got to get you ready. It's yeah. not like that at all. And and now that we see these guys playing deeper and deeper into their 40s, no, they, they're they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to maintain their hold on the job. They're not going to try to help the next guy, and they're not even going to concede he's the next guy. He's just the guy who backs me up. I'm better than him, and I'm going to go prove it every single day. Right. So uh, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And uh, t- that's how that's how Tom Brady handled it with Jimmy Garoppolo in New England up until the point where, as legend and reporting has it, Tom Brady. But that's uh, where the whole Jimmy thing's Garoppolo messed up. New England. But that's where I can't stand the bull crap out of people's mouths sometimes. Because, like, with Brady, which he, he approached it the right way. Wait, i got to worry about myself and quarterback and be the team, and I'll set the example for the young kid that way. You know, probably was praised then. Look at him. He's cutthroat. He's just a competitor. He's just worried about himself. He's going to win, and he's not worried about this guy, and he's going to do that. Like, that gets painted that. But because it's Ryan Tannehill, we, start to, we go the other way because it just it, it's not as cool a story to say he's cutthroat and competitive because he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, and we don't have that bullcrap narrative around him all the time. So that's where it just put people pile on, and that, that's where it's, it's, it's just it's BS, and that's where it bothers me. Speaking of Tom Brady and bullcrap, uh, he did an amazing thing that definitely wasn't fake at all. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Here's Tom Brady from about 150 yards. He's got about an eight iron. That's in the hole. Uh, it's in the air. It's in the hole. Go crazy. Go crazy. You just won the Super Bowl. Here's the drone shot. Look at that. The drone following the ball through the air. It's on the green. And is it in the hole on the fly? No, it rolled a little, but I don't know if that looks real. And that's the question. Well, the and question w- yeah, is, yeah, I don't know. Is it real or is it fake? Good reaction. That's the question. They're, they're, they act good, good reaction. Well. Yeah. And and look at the end of the day, and we discussed this last week. Tom Brady has to worry about reaching the saturation point, and the tweet of that that shot, real or CGI enhanced was followed by a tweet by Brady to go buy his golf gear, right? He's trying to sell stuff. And that's his prerogative. It's the American way. Josh Allen. That's my boy Blue. You're calling, not going to fool him. He's calling. He's, 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 not, he's calling BS on that. They're getting ready to have the, the, the golf thing that nobody's going to watch with Aaron Rodgers and John. I'm going to watch, you jerk. <laughs> okay. But um, everybody says they, they watch it and then nobody actually watches it. I don't even know when they're doing it. Is it this weekend? Is it next I week? Think it's I don't next know weekend. when it is. I think it's next week. So, uh, so anyway, um, look, the, the, the bottom line is this isn't the first time that we've seen some fakery from Tom Brady. We've got some other examples here. Uh, we've got... Uh, this is the, the long putt. Here's Tom Brady with the long putt calling his shot. I'm Tom Brady. I can do these things, and they're not faked at all. There's the ball. It's rolling, it's rolling, it's rolling, and uh, it curves, and uh, it's it's in the hole, and that's it. Now, how about this one? 
the jugs machine. This right as the uh, yeah, and it throws it back to him. yeah. And people thought this was real. That that is what makes me wonder. Uh, or maybe yeah. It makes well, me why? I mean, wondering wondering what the a lot of people do then they think it's He's real. I mean, it's crazy throwing it into the hole of a jugs machine. I mean, you didn't right know JFK Junior is going to the grassy knoll to right. show up right. there any day. I mean, that's real, man. Right. They tweeted it. Yeah. It's anyway. real. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was by far not the best fake video we have ever seen in these parts. There's one more that's even better than Tom Brady playing catch with a jugs machine. Here it is. Oh, my gosh. I was made to do this. Check this out. Bam. Automatic. I can hit moving targets, too. Three for three. Pick me, man. Pick me. Funny. Oh, oh! You can hit. You can hit the crossbar, but can you throw it through from your knees from sixty yards away? You would have been a first-round pick. If you could do <laughs> yeah, that, like I know, right? Bowler. Damn. Why the hell didn't I make that video and help my draft stock? I don't know. That was like, hey, that was that was one of the uh, like when that that came out, and that was two thousand six. That's the season I'm going to get hurt. Either way, when people they were coming to me like, "Hey, we're going to do this video. It's about fantasy football." I'm like, "What? I don't what what the what the f is fantasy football? I don't really give a crap. It was the middle of OTAs, all that. I did it, and uh, it's one of those things. I'm glad I did because it, it was cool you know, when, especially when it came out and you see the CGI and all that. It was it was a cool thing to do. 2006 looked like 1996. But, uh, regardless, <laughs> the old uh, one buck the there. Did you see like there the there's the airport was right there and some of the shots the, the 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 landing and the the takeoff spot for airplanes was literally right next to our practice squad to where our practice field to where we never had to have like the speakers with crowd noise because every 45 seconds a plane came up to the runway and was. <laughs> And we had natural crowd noise there at the great old one buck place. Yes. All right. Back to the Chris Sims quarterback Uh-oh. countdown. As we work our way from 40 to number one, we're up to number 26 and number 26, a guy who suffered a torn ACL last year, week eight against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Trevor Simeon actually came in to get the win over the aforementioned Tom Brady. It's Jameis Winston at 26 recovering from the torn ACL. Still the guy in New Orleans, new head coach in Dennis Allen, a lot of continuity on the coaching staff, plenty of great players. They've beefed up the receiver room with Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry, and they expect Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas to be back. Right. They still have Alvin Kamara. Yep. Taysom Hill's out of the quarterback room now, so that distraction's gone. Right. This is Jameis Winston's best chance yet to really prove that he's the guy for the Saints. No question. I think he went a long way to doing that last year. You know, you, you just explained it, right? I mean, what kind of results did we really expect for that receiving group? It wasn't that special. I mean, it was way below average as far as the NFL is concerned. There was no go-to guy. I think last year, Jameis Winston played really good football. And I think nonetheless, like maybe not the playmaker we saw years before in Tampa, you know, with the no risk it, no biscuit. He was making a ton of plays, but making a ton of mistakes. Well, last year, if anything, he showed us, hey, you, we can reel Jameis Winston in a little bit. He can protect the football and manage a game and not do things that compromise our football team and put us in a, in a bad spot. 
So to me, that was a win last year from that standpoint alone, the fact that he was able to do that, let alone within that, you know, still could make plays. I mean, we're, we're showing some here, and, and again, it continued throughout the year. And it wasn't an t- easy situation for him either. People got to remember, I mean, yeah, you're replacing Jameis Winston. That's, I mean, uh, Drew Brees, that's not easy. And you got a coach like Sean Payton who's, yeah, great, but, of course, hovering over you, breathing down your neck, making sure you do everything right, probably telling him, don't make mistakes, we're good, we can play defense. But he he's big, he's pretty smart, and he can throw the ball down the field, and he's a better athlete than he gets credit for. That's the one thing when you always go back and watch Jameis Winston, you go, ooh, he moves around the pocket and runs for six and eight yards a little bit more than you realize. But he's... Hey, there's some things he's got to improve, like we talked about. The short, intermediate, just bullseye throwing, get the ball out of your hands quickly. Those are some of the negatives that he's got to get better at, especially in this New Orleans Saints offense. I mean, we got a greater appreciation of how well Drew Brees ran the underneath stuff right. when we saw Jameis Winston struggle to right. do it. We take for granted how seamless and smooth it was for Drew Brees. Yeah. And now Sean Payton's gone. Any concern with Payton not there to try to – come up with plays and ideas and angles. I mean, you know, Pete Carmichael just kind of was forgotten, never was seriously considered as a head coaching candidate anywhere. Peyton got all the credit. This is Carmichael's opportunity to put into action everything he gleaned from Sean Peyton. But do you have a concern there that that maybe from a coaching standpoint, offensively, there's going to be a drop-off? How can there not be a drop-off exactly. if you take exactly. Sean Peyton out of exactly. the equation? Right, exactly. That, to me, like, hey, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes of the offense – They'll be great. They'll still be have. Like, we'll still sit there and go, man. They got a good system. They got answers for this and that. To me, where you miss Sean Payton is like something we've discussed a lot. Where yeah, he's a psycho. He's looking at the other other teams and other offensive coordinators' plays he likes. Plus, he's very creative and he's gutsy. And not afraid to go like, you know what, I've never seen this play, but I'm going to take a chance this week and do it and be a crazy scientist and draw it up. That's to me where you're going to miss Sean Payton is that edge there that he can bring to the football team. You know? But at the same time, you know, Jameis Winston, who's going to feel a little more comfortable in the offense established, maybe he's got a little less pressure on him without Sean Payton burning, you know, breathing down his neck a little bit. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. But you said it, he's got talent around him. We know they got a pretty good offensive line. Uh, and he showed the ability to limit the bad mistakes or throwing the ball into crowds of people like we saw last year. This year, hopefully, he can let it fly a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive. Torn ACL last year, week eight. He's back on the field for OTAs. Good news for the Saints. Getting himself ready to go for 2022. We'll take a break when we return. Number 25 on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. From unranked a year ago, all the way up to number 25, Jalen Hurts sticking it to Chris Sims, sticking it, (laughs) forcing his way onto the list, elbowing his path all the way up to number 25, the third year quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, now firmly entrenched as the starter. The only question is, how good can he be? He's good enough to be number 25, Chris. What do you see in Jalen Hurts, especially that would cause you to believe maybe he's on track? to keep going higher sure yeah and listen I was wrong last year not to have him on the list I certainly was I had my questions about him he he proved me wrong do I still have questions I do a hundred percent you know but but you know first off when I break this thing down and, and I think you you know you've heard me physical ability you know smarts reading the fields decision making 
you know, leadership effect on the team and then pocket presence and how you do that. You know, when you talk about that, first off, his presence and leadership is real. He has a real effect on the football team. There's no doubt. The team has confidence in Jalen Hurts, and they think they can win any game with him on the football field. So that's real in the way he handles himself. Physical ability we know is real. As you're seeing here, as far as the leg department, yes. I mean, Jalen Hurts can run and scare you with his legs, whether it's quarterback design runs or, you know, just extending a play. Deep ball, throws a pretty deep ball. Always gives his receiver a chance. That's the thing I love about it. And he's got a good feel of, wait, he's got the guy beat. Let me lead him down the field and let him run under it. Ooh, the guy's kind of covered. Let me throw a jump ball or a back shoulder ball. So that's where he's good. But I can't put him further above 25 as of yet. I can't. As we saw during the year, they started out 3-6 and six when they were playing, let's throw the ball more, a little bit more, let's side with that in the passing game. Things didn't change until they said, hey, wait, wait, we can't do it. We can't win that way. We need to run the ball more and be a run-centric team and then just ask Hurts to make a play here or there in the passing game. And that's to me where, hey, the, the, the next step has to come. You know, The motion, the delivery, it's slow. I don't love the mechanics all the time of how he throws the football. And then he's not a pinpoint thrower. And that's my big question about him going forward. Yes, he'll feast He'll feast on the poor. There's no doubt about it. But when he plays defenses like this game, the Giants, who have a big front, they can kind of slow down the running game. And they made it all about, okay, Jalen Hurts, you're going to have to beat us with the passing game today. I still have big questions about that. Or going to the playoff game as we all saw. That was below average NFL throwing. Period. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just keeping it real. And that's where it's going to be the big question about evaluating him going forward is, hey, we can win and beat a lot of the teams in football, but are we going to beat the NFL elite with this style unless Jalen Hurts gets better at dicing people up in the pocket? And that's where we need to see that next phase grow a little bit for sure, Mike. They know how to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. All nine of their wins last year came against non-playoff right, teams. But right. They made the A.J. Brown move. When they made the trade for Brown on draft night four weeks ago tonight, that sent a clear message to the league that they do believe in Jalen Hurts. Brown and Hurts, very close friends. So they're doing what they have to do to prop up Hurts to make him comfortable. Yeah. They've got Devontae right. Smith. Right. They've got A.J. Ooh, Brown. They've got yeah. Dallas Goddard at tight end. Right. And, and you know, we, we see these moves being made by the Dolphins, and we say they're eliminating excuses for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, we see the Eagles do it, and we're like, well, they're propping up Jalen Hurts. And, but at a, at a certain level, they're also they're eliminating gonna, excuses, uh, too. Exactly. I, I think so, too. It's on him. It is. It's going to be on him because that offensive line will be one of the four or five best in football, if not the best. It was the best in the league last year. Then you couple that with his design running, all right? And then you couple that with, oh, no, defenses start to go, wait, we got to put an extra guy in the box. We can't slow these guys down. And now you got one-on-ones outside with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown to what you're talking about. That, that's, a, that's a winning formula. And you're right. Within the support of him, it's also going to show us, wait, can he get it done with this group and really take this team to the next level? And I think we'll have those answers here throughout this, or at some point this year. Let's take a break. We played a little bit earlier from my interview from Wednesday afternoon with Vikings GM Quasi Adolfo Mensa. When we return, you'll hear a little more from him on Mr. I love him, I love him not, Vikings quarterback <laughs> Kirk Cousins. We'll show you that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Zach looks good. Uh, 
He's definitely hit the weight room. He looks beefy. Uh, <laughs> uh, in a good way. In a good way. He's uh, definitely filled out. I talked to Connor about you for the last uh, couple weeks or so, and he said you're, uh, you're beefy. Said, uh, <laughs> that dude's beefy. You guys yeah. seen him? Yeah, today he said you were thick. So oh, good. Thick and beefy. Compliments being exchanged by a couple of meatheads Seriously. in New Jersey. They're doing what they can. <laughs> Hey, do you know where the weight the room New is? Jersey yeah, seriously. Life. Right. Um, if they start having like stuff. frosted tips and like gold chains, we got to start worrying. That's when we know they're going way too deep into the Jersey, the the, the Jersey mine hole there. <laughs> New address for Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings GM. He got into the NFL uh, through a somewhat non-traditional route. You can see the full interview at PFT, but. When I talked to him yesterday about one of the big decisions they had to make, because this is kind of strange in Minnesota. New regime, but a lot of continuity with players. And it started with Kirk Cousins. I asked Quasi Adolfo Mensa why the decision to extend the contract of Kirk Cousins and have him there for at least the next two years. Yeah, I mean, look, Kirk's a really good quarterback. I think, again, like I said earlier about this whole societal where things are binary. Either you champion or you're not. Either you're the goat or you're not. And I, I don't think that's really how you work, uh, how you successfully build teams. When you study historically, what wins the NFL? Yes. Elite, like special quarterback play does matter, but there are other ways to win it. So what we try to do is first and foremost, get Kirk in the fold. I really, I had a presentation with him. I, 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 I Hey, you're, you're our partner in this. We're trying to build this thing to have you be the best version of yourself, Kevin and I, and once we do that, then we can maybe go back and reassess where we are. But we think the best version of him and surrounding him with other things gives us a really good chance. Ultimately, I can't sit here and tell you I know for certain what that's going to be. But we think that it gives us a great chance to be there at the end with a chance uh, to do it. And so obviously extending him gives us more time, right? A lot of that is just these things don't take off in, in one day, in one month. These are these are things that take a little. Now they've had exposure together before. And I think the last time Kevin coached him, I think it was all under the same situation where it was a one-year deal. And, and, and Kevin was like, look, I want to pour into this guy. I think he's one of the best quarterback guys I've ever been around. So I want to pour into this guy, see what the best he can be. And we'll see what happens in the end. But we thought that was the best uh, best path going forward. Kevin O'Connell, of course, is the Kevin to whom Quasi Adolfo Mensa is referring, the head coach of the Vikings. Cousins has been there for four years, 33 and 31 in the regular season. And, you know, you've got some fans that say glass half full. You've got some fans that say glass half empty. You've got some fans that one week think glass is half full and the next week they think it's glass is half empty. I don't know anyone who feels that way. But, uh, uh, you know, regardless, Chris, th there was plenty of chatter that they should get rid of him. But we talked about this at the time. Who do you replace him with? Exactly. Who's your alternative? Right. Right. I know. That's a, he's, he's a good quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl with him. Is he a superstar? No. But, you know, again, you know, you got to look at some of the you know, other factors. And, hey, we've learned a lot just the last two years with, you know, hey, Stafford went to a better team. And look at, oh, for Super Bowl, first year. You know, Brady went to a team where we went, oh, wait, is it coming to an end with the Patriots? They're not that talented. He goes to another team. Whoa, holy cow, they're really good. You know, not to say that Kirk Cousins is in that class, but, you know, it, he's a guy you can win with. There's no, there's, I have no doubt about that. And like we talked, I think we said this earlier this week. I mean, again, sometimes situation and all that matters. I, I, I'm one to sit here and go, if Kirk Cousins was on the 49ers instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, they, they probably got multiple Super Bowls. I mean, just he, but he didn't. It didn't happen that way. 
So, you know, again, the Vikings are good. They're not great. And they can't necessarily always win or get to where you want to go just with Kirk Cousins carrying the team. He's not that type of guy. There's got to be some sort of support system around him. John Gruden specifically modified his approach to mesh with the personality of Derek Carr. I get the feeling Mike Zimmer did not modify his approach Definitely to mesh not. with the personality of Kirk Cousins. No. And that's one of the most overlooked realities of the past four years. Those two didn't get along. The Vikings were dysfunctional as a coaching staff, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Changes all the time. Maybe this is exactly what Kirk Cousins needs. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Did you just, like, wake up late or something? Did you just have a black T-shirt? Is there not even a pocket on that thing? Did no. you just pull over a no. black undershirt? It's a little bit of a designer T-shirt. I kind of was, like, getting dressed. I started, I, you know, I, I get, like, halfway dressed. I get the, you know, I get my 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 undershirt on, my underwear, Thanks, my pants on, <laughs> and then I get breakfast I don't need ready. any more details. All right. I don't know what you were going for, but I, I would say the Meathead Steve Jobs thing kind of works a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well done. I didn't expect. <laughs> I look, Jack, I That's look more, Jack there. That's more. Yeah, you've never been that beefy. No, I have not. <laughs> Definitely not. Man, uh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, look at those biceps. I got the oh, man. My tummy's tight. Wow, I'm looking good. That's one thing. I I can't get my tummy that tight. There's no way. You know, the munchies really getting away with that. Like that aspect yeah. of my working out at nighttime. Yes. You, you you have eaten enough chicken fingers and fries in the time that I've been around you to feed a third world country for a month. So no, <laughs> yeah, okay. You uh, you 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 are you are definitely uh, all right. Let's get to the draft. Michael Parsons, maybe that's his physique. Michael Parsons, happy birthday! He turns twenty three today. In honor of him, the best non quarterbacks in the NFC East. We've been gradually making our way around the league with our draft. So let's do the NFC East today. Go ahead, Chris. Best non quarterback in the NFC East. I'm going with the birthday boy. I'm going to take him first. Michael Parsons, to me, was the best defensive player in football last year. I know T.J. Watt won the MVP, defense MVP. We talked about Michael Parsons on more Mondays and Tuesdays than we did T.J. Watt and his effect on the game. He's phenomenal. And the fact that he can play two positions, it's only going into year two of his career. He's the guy I'll take there. Uh, there's a lot of great players yeah. in the NFC East. And I know he's coming off a torn ACL. But I'll still take Chase Young. I, he's the defensive rookie of the year. Kind of down a little bit early last year. He was. Had the injury, but no reason to think he won't be good to go. I'll take Chase Young. Yeah, he's young. He's talented. He's really good. There's no doubt. I mean, it's just, it was a down year. Hey, I think Chase Young and his ability to rush the passer, that's, that's something that's going to be – we'll see. And I think Ron Rivera talked about, like, he realized he's got to do more, right? And he's he's got to be – He's got to be better than what he was last year. He wasn't the best pass rusher on their team last year. All right. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where to go here. You know, the problem is they have some O-linemen in this division where you go, man, they're really good. I'm going to throw A.J. Brown out there, though. It's 2022, wide receiver. Got to take A.J. Brown. He's definitely one of the best in the game. This one is more of a projection, and there's been some talk this week. C.D. Lamb, am I ready to be the number one overall pick? I got number one receiver. I got to be the number one receiver. Well, yeah, you are the number one guy. You've already shown me the number one guy. Uh, but C.D. Lamb, I saw something where he grew an inch in the offseason. How the hell did that happen? I thought you stopped growing by the time you were 21. So uh, yeah, C.D. Lamb 
with Amari Cooper gone, he becomes the focal point of the passing game, and I think he becomes a key player in that division. I, I grew a quarter of an inch my first year in the NFL. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's again, I think it shows you like guys are still young and growing. Some of these athletes, it's, it's, they were late bloomers, some of them, and that's why you know maybe he does continue to get physically better. Um, I have not grown since I was fourteen. Five eleven and three quarters since I was fourteen. They thought I was going to be a giant. Yeah, I stopped growing at fourteen. Yeah, well, you know, yes, that that happens. I, I, the I cigarettes I, did I, it. Well, I had <laughs> heard the stunt your growth. Yeah, well, uh, yes, I will forget it. I'll just go on to the next pick of the All draft right. here. Uh, good. You ready? Well, <laughs> smart, whatever, whatever it was going to be, I think it's a smart yeah, move. Go I ahead. think we'll move on. All right, so um, I, I got to go with one. I'm going to go with Zach Martin. Zach Martin's my next pick. Um. It's one of, he's the best guard in football. If he's not, he's the second best behind Quentin Nelson. Either way, he's phenomenal. Either way, he's a Hall of Famer already. I mean, Zach Martin is special. So I'll take him as my third pick. Um, you know, we, we don't give the I don't give the offensive lineman enough love or the defensive lineman in these things. Although it did take Chase Young, I'll go Lane Johnson here. Yeah, good. A, a guy that that has been one of the best tackles quietly Definitely. in football for a decade, and one of the reasons the Eagles were in the playoffs last year, their offensive line and defensive line played incredibly well. Yes. So uh, Lane he Johnson, best right tackle in the game. Good job. We are we are done for the draft. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Something we noticed after we concluded the draft of the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC East, and Pete, the producer today, who is a Giants fan, put the list together for us to peruse. He didn't include any Giants. There aren't any Giants. He's got Giants down on a deep special honorable mention. Not many Giants players. I mean, it kind of tells you where the team is right now. When you start talking about the best players in the division – where are the Giants that you would consider great players? No, Who are they? Chris? You're right. You're right. It's, it's, it's a great question. Leonard Williams, right? He's a really good defensive lineman. You know, not a sack master, so not always going to be, you know, media hype guy. Saquon, but health and, hey, they need to open up a hole for the guy every now and then. And then, yeah, there's a lot of, hey, Kenny Galladay, we think he can be. Daniel Jones, we think he can be. You know, uh, Kadarius Tony, we think he can be. So there's a lot of that. There's no doubt. But, yeah, there's certainly not. They're, they're coming up the rear as far as talent in the NFC East. And it just shows you how much work they have to do with new head coach Brian Dayball, new GM Joe Shane to get this team to where it needs to be. From a talent standpoint, they are fourth right now in that division. They may not finish fourth. The coaching may make a difference. Yeah. But they are behind the talent that the Cowboys, the Eagles – and the Washington Commanders currently have, Chris. Yeah, they they are. I mean, certainly. I mean, we, we, we're we sitting here, and, you know, I know I, you wrote names down. I wrote names down. And there's still plenty of guys that I would pick from those other three teams before I would even get to the Giants yet. You know, Montez Sweat, Javon Hargrave. We didn't even take Terry McLaurin, Jonathan Allen, Trayvon Diggs. I mean, all non-Giants, of course. Well... The Giants have their work cut out for them. We don't, though. We are done. Chris is off till Monday. I'll be back see tomorrow. Ya. Actually, Chris won't be back till Tuesday. See ya. We'll Four-day weekend. Screw work. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.